Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Dude Therapist. Y'all know I love when I get a dude on the show because what people don't realize is the show is not just for dudes. I'm just a dude who's a therapist. Um, and to have a professional in the in the world of dealing with parents and kids, um, even though not mental health, but let's be honest, everything's connected. We got uh, Dr. Gator, or some people know him as Joel, on the show. Can you introduce yourself to the listeners before we get started? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm honored and I look forward to chatting today. And I will say, yeah, I mean, a pediatrician's job these days or any doctor's job, a lot of it is mental health, especially <laughs> in the last couple of years. So yeah, I think I think we're becoming more and more of a, a specialist in that. But yeah, I'm a pediatrician. I work in uh, Los Angeles and my focus is on integrative medicine and balancing the best of both worlds. So I'm not against Western medicine at all. I just think that there's a time and a place and we're so focused these days on treatments and medications and we're really not focused enough on prevention and the whole body and, and mental health. And, and so that really, to me, is where I started learning about integrated medicine and trying to blend the best of both worlds together. And so that's what really you know led me to building my own practice and then trying to do a lot more stuff online and, and Dr. Joel Gator on Instagram and Raising Amazing Plus on, on as a website for courses because I just wanted to get more information out there. And when you become a doctor, there's no training on like any of this social media podcasting kind of stuff, right? But that's how we, we get to people these days. So that's that's been my focus the last couple of years. You know, and, and for me as a therapist, mm -hmm. when I was in grad school, they shunned that idea of being more out there. Like, mm -hmm. how could you be a therapist and talk about, you know, experiences? You're supposed to be removed. And mm -hmm. and uh, recently I had actually a young, a young professional reach out to me. He's like, how do you balance that? I'm like, I share what I want. You know, it's out in the world. I'm not sharing cases and, and, and information of my clients. I'm talking about mental health. Right. And so, so someone knows I have a kid. Okay. Or two mm -hmm. kids like big whoop, like that doesn't make me a bad therapist. And for you, something I always like to ask professionals is what pushed you into pediatrics? And, and we'll talk about the other question afterwards that I usually ask from people. Yeah. I always just love working with kids. I mean, when I was growing up, it really started with my brother and coaching his teams. I I'm Canadian. So, you know, I used to coach hockey and I used to play hockey and, and, and baseball as well. And I just loved working with kids. And so that kind of, uh, blend into then running summer camps and, and working in mm -hmm. camp. And just, I always you know enjoyed working with kids. And I, when I went to med school was, it was to become a pediatrician. I never really wanted to work with adults. I feel like if you can get to kids early and you can, prevent things from happening, then you can prevent mm -hmm. a lifetime of of illness and sickness. And also kids listen and you can make big changes where adults don't tend to. So yeah. I, I just always found it more fun. And, and that's just what I always wanted to do. I love that. And, and you know, I wanted to be a doctor very badly. Uh, not because I'm Jewish and like, that's like a classic thing. <laughs> but from the fact that I love people, I love helping people, especially mm -hmm. I think doctors have a very powerful ability that when someone's at a low or at a very scary point, or nerves about a situation or their health, that you are there mm -hmm. to be the guide, to be the calm, to be. And I've been through my health issues of having Crohn's. I've been to many doctors and all those things. Um, and it is just a beautiful power that doctors have, yet can be abused by plenty of doctors. But mm -hmm. I think the right people, I think you do this very well, is, is give that calm and knowledge. And, and, um, and I love that. I didn't end up going because I don't have the patience and the brain to be in school for that long. Um, but for you, how has this been with like the whole social media? You exploded. So like, what was it? You were like, 
what was like that idea or the goal? Was it to be the post about medical things or more fatherhood or the com- combination? It was like, this guy's awesome. Let's focus on Dr. Gator. Yeah, I, I was so against social media for so long. I'm still like, I don't love social media in general. No like, I, I, I think that the world would be probably a better place without it. But it's kind of what you need to do right now to get the message out. And it's mm-hmm. I, I think there's a hard, a, a very weird di- dichotomy there. And I was pretty against it for a while. But then my wife was like, you know, you need to do it, like start getting your content out there. And it, mm-hmm. a lot of it was really just seeing how much people enjoyed and appreciated what I was doing in the office in terms of integrative medicine and really mm-hmm. realizing that that's something that there isn't a lot of information out there about in- mm-hmm. integrative medicine, especially when it comes to kids. And so just mm-hmm. sharing that with the world, I thought was important and a way to help get the message out and hopefully to help with prevention. I mean, first of all, if you look at the statistics, right, they're terrifying. Like 50% of kids have a chronic disease. More than 50% of adults have a chronic disease. Like we're, we're going in a very bad direction in terms mm-hmm. of our health. And there's a lot of simple things that we can do to change the trajectory of where we're going. And so that to me was really like, I just need to start doing this and, and just mm-hmm. see how it goes. And I, and I think based on how, how it's grown, people want that. I mean, I, I even so much as I I'm lucky because of where I am in LA, I, I'm in a certain area and population, but at the same time, it was like starting a practice on the younger side and seeing all these celebrities and famous people that like switched their doctors and came to me and and like and want this kind of of medicine it, it's eye opening cuz i'm like Man, there's doctors that have been in practice for like 30 years mm-hmm. why are you coming to my office but it's because i think people like this philosophy and they they understand that they're we're out of balance mm-hmm. and so i i think it just resonates with people because there's a lot of woo woo alternative practitioners out there that go way far the other way and so that's mm-hmm. what where you, you you know you kind of get into this world where people are like, oh, I shouldn't do anything integrative. But then at the same time, you have all these Western practitioners that kind of shun all the alternative practices. But the reality is it's somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I think that resonates with most people because that to me is what just makes the most common sense. Like medicine is not bad, right? There's amazing things that we can do and we can cure, you know, you have to get a pneumonia and you can get better in, in two days where you would have died 20 or 30, 50 years ago. So that's yeah. good. But, you know, maybe you don't need a medication every single time, or maybe mm-hmm. there are other ways that you could do things, or maybe we need to talk about prevention. And that's hard to do when you have a two minute doctor's visit. So maybe we need to work as a team. Like, there's so many things. And that just kind of spurred me all of this to, to answer your question and get back to it is just talking about this kind of stuff, I think resonates with people. And so I just wanted to share it. That's, that's really what it was. And it just has grown on its own. Can you talk about what integrative is? Because to me, mm-hmm. when I, when I, I think there's a problem that happens is that someone says the word like, I'm a holistic specialist, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. People don't know what that really means. And they think it's some far out, random, you know, mumbo jumbo weirdness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can you kind of give some perspective on what that actually is so that people? Yeah. And that's a great you know? point, because I think the issue is that everyone defines it a little bit differently, right? And when you say holistic mm-hmm. or integrative, you do get some uh, really out there kind of practitioner. But to me, it means combining the best of modern Western medicine with alternative and complementary practices. So that might be supplements or preventative discussions or natural therapy. So there's like, you know, Ayurvedic Indian medicine, there's Chinese medicine, there's acupuncture. And I think mm-hmm. acupuncture is maybe the best example of the change over the last few years, yeah, maybe acupuncture and yoga, but just the fact that that might've been something that was very woo woo like 
10, 20 years ago. And now every hospital has acupuncture pain clinics and they give that instead really? of giving opioids. Well, maybe not everyone, but a lot of them no, do. No, but it's popular. It's very, very popular because we know that we have an opioid epidemic. And so what are the options that can work? And then there's more research and it shows that it's very efficacious. And so people do it, right? Yeah. And and so there was this, there's this like out of balance sort of woo-woo versus Western. And I hope that we come somewhere in the middle. And that's what I think integrative is integrating the best of both worlds. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no need to have a team like, Oh, I'm on team medicine or I'm on team holistic. It's mm-hmm. like, whatever's the best thing to do for that person yeah. and whatever's going to decrease the side effects and get them to the best place. Why and not? I love that. <laughs> you know, my, my wife did acupuncture for, we did IVF. So she did, mm-hmm. we had to go through IVF. So we did acupuncture and for pregnancy and it was so helpful, mm-hmm. you know, and that was not available or even something that I would even consider. I'm like, what the heck's wrong with you? Acupuncture. But mm-hmm. I know even for mental health, there is this idea that a lot of people have these boxes of school of modalities, whether it's CBT, DBT, ACT therapy, EFT, Gottman, whatever terminology or letters of the alphabet that a training <laughs> or modality is. Oh, I'm only CBT. I would never, no, I would never look at, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Why can't we have a combo? So when people ask me what style I do, I said, whatever helps you. Like, I'm not going to just stick in one school of thought that limits me to be able to help a person. Mm-hmm. And I think that if there are secrets and there are things in the world that we have tapped into, I mean, look at the world of LSD and and, shroom, and mushrooms. They mm-hmm. were shunned upon <laughs> 20 years ago in right. grad school testing for mental health and PTSD and trauma work. And now is being hailed as like the, the coolest thing that doctors are doing in the psychiatric world to tap in and help. PTSD, mm-hmm. but but twenty years ago it was the most like disgraceful like, thing. Five years ago, <laughs> yeah, it was disgraceful. Yeah. And then you have a Netflix special that comes out, you know, mm-hmm. on the idea of how to open your mind. Everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, this is a genius!" But the research's been going on for forty years. But now we're yeah. kind of accepting, and I think it's wonderful to have that integrative perspective. And and for you, you're really at the forefront of seeing parents and kids together. What what have you seen over the past couple of years? being some of the bigger struggles that kids are having or even parents are having because you also are experiencing them too. Yeah, well, mental health, just as a category, I would say skyrocketed the last few years, certainly through the pandemic. Um, There was a lot more stress, a lot more anxiety, a lot, a very high percentage of the visits during the pandemic were mental health related just because it was a very you know, unique, obviously, and stressful time for kids. And, mm-hmm. and no one's ever really been through that. And it was very hard to be isolated and, and all of those things. So I think that was a big issue. It's it's definitely calm to some degree at this point, I I would say, but there's still always, I mean, even before the pandemic, there was such a mental health crisis just in general, in terms of anxiety yeah. and stress. I think children's lives are, are not set up in a way they were ever meant to be set up. It's just so mm-hmm. many activities and schoolwork and, 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 the the stresses of social media and all all the things that we're just not, not totally prepared for in the news cycle and fear. So I I think that's a huge issue. And then, Mm -hmm. and that's one category. And then the other big category of of things that we're seeing is is chronic disease, meaning things that children deal with on a daily basis, whether that's eczema, allergies, um, ADHD, uh, things like like mentioned, like Crohn's disease, uh, rheumatologic diseases. And there's so many categories but the the bigger overarching concern is that there our kids are not healthy for many reasons and and we have to look into why why that is why are so many kids have why do so many kids have a peanut allergy why do so many kids um have trouble listening in school why do so many kids 
um, have eczema? Like, what what is going on in the world that is creating a society where basically every kid, or at least one of every two children, needs a medication for something? Mm-hmm. That that was not the way that it was 20, 30 years ago. So there are things that we are doing, many things that are creating an environment that is not ideal for health in the long run. I think. So what are some of the things that changed in our society that have shifted those things to now to now be? The two biggest categories that I tend to discuss would be food and toxins. So like the, the, the number one, our food is way less nutrient dense than it ever used to be. You know, you used to mm-hmm. get things locally and, you know, maybe there were more gardens and, and, things were not mass produced like they mm-hmm. were today. So even an apple today is nowhere near as nutrient dense as it used to be 50 years ago, because you're mass producing things. You're putting a lot of chemicals in the ground. You're trying to get the best crop that you can. It's not natural. It's a mono crop, right? It's like a big field of a bunch of oranges, right? As opposed to you have an orange tree here and you have a bunch of plants and animals and things roaming around. So there isn't that diversity, which creates good soil. So I think mm-hmm. that's a big deal. So you're not getting the nutrients from the food in the first place. And then we have all of this convenience type food, which is devoid of nutrients to begin with. It's like mass, mass produced, processed, sugar, salt, all these Mm -hmm. things. So we're getting, you know, you don't need that much sugar or salt, if any, and we're getting so much throughout the day mixed with all these other chemicals and preservatives mixed with not getting the nutrients that we need. And we're literally built of what we eat. Right. And if we don't, get the nutrients in that we need for our body to function properly, then what do you think is going to happen? I mean, we're going to get sick. We're going to get diseases. We're going to have gut issues You know, whatever it's going to be for you. At some point, your body's going to be like, I just can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have to compensate or you're going to get sick or, or whatever it is. And we saw that during the pandemic, right? We saw yeah. that for sure. If there was one thing that we learned, it was that pre-existing conditions were the biggest risk factor for serious disease, but that's not new, right? That's true yeah. of everything always. And so that maybe brought it to light a little bit more, but it's not something that's unique mm-hmm. or or mind blowing in medicine. So you have this, this uh, lifestyle that's creating uh, a bodies that don't have the nutrients they need to function. And then we're also not just from food, but then all the chemicals everywhere else in the air, in the water, um, you know, what we spray on our skins, what are in our home, where we, where we go. So we're, we're just, bombarding our body toxins. with toxins and your body's amazing. I mean, it can get rid of a lot of things and it can, it can detoxify to a degree, but everybody can only detoxify to a degree. And mm-hmm. I think we just got to the point, especially with kids who don't detoxify as well as adults do that. We just can't handle it anymore. And so we're just overloaded and things spill over and you get sick with whatever. And yeah. that that's what I think is happening. No, and I agree with you. So how do we combat that and deal with that as a society or even as an individual when the things that are either branded, if they are or not, you know, that's a different conversation. If things are actually healthier or organic or things of that nature and the wellness world and the trap of that that can be of like just, you know, fast for three days of uh, with just uh, eating celery juice and you'll you'll detox your body or whatever. You have to be careful and look into that stuff. But how does a society or even an individual combat that when that's something that's so synonymous with our life today? Yeah, it's it's that's another great question. And it's a tough one because there are some things that you control and some things that you don't really control. And so like I can't change a, the farming, unfortunately. Right. You know? it, exactly. And it, it's a kind of a two-part answer because there's mm-hmm. the macro level and the micro level, meaning the society level and then what you can do yourself. And from a yeah. society level, I mean, there are things that we can do kind of. I mean, you can certainly get involved. And I think at a at a bigger level, like 
companies will go in whatever direction people are buying things. So mm -hmm. I think you could speak with your dollar and buy things that are better products and 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 things like that. And and eventually, I hope mm -hmm. on the bigger scale, we're going to identify this as such mm -hmm. an important issue that we will make changes. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I hope I hope that happens, but you can't necessarily change the air that you're breathing today or, or the water or things mm -hmm. like that. And so there's only, there's only so much that you can do from that standpoint. So what you need to really focus on is what you do have control over. It's the things in your life, the things in your home. And, and the reality is that you do have a lot of control over what food you purchase mm -hmm. and what you give to your kids mm -hmm. and what cleaning products you bring into your home and mm -hmm. what things that you buy and where you go and how much you're in nature and all of these things. And so I call it the seeds of health or the foundations of health, mm -hmm. meaning stress, environment and toxins, exercise, diet, and, and sleep. And if you focus on those things, if you focus on those foundations, then that's going to get you most of the way there. It's, it's the same thing as you know, with food, if we're talking about that specifically, you don't have to control every single thing that your child eats for them to be healthy. If you if you focus on buying healthy foods when they're at home and that's like 90% of what they're eating, yeah, if they have a piece of cake every now and again, that's going to be fine. Like your body can deal with that. It's if you're giving them that every single day, if there yeah. are Oreos and Cheetos and this and that in your home and that's what they're eating for snack all the time, yeah. then eventually your body just can't handle that. So yeah. I like to empower parents and say like, you definitely do have a lot of control in this. We do. We really, really do. And I see it in my office because I see a lot of families who really are health conscious. And that's usually who comes to my office is people that already are, are health conscious and they've, they've sought that out. And they're so much healthier in general than the patients I used to see mm -hmm. back before I started my own practice, because it's, it's just about being health conscious. And sure, they still get sick every now and again, and there's still things that happen and you can't control everything. But what we're trying to do is set our kids up in the best possible scenario to minimize the risk of them getting something. And, and usually if you do that, then again, your body is really amazing and they'll still be able to handle some of the chemicals. And we're just yeah. trying to minimize it as much as possible. And is, is this also, and it's probably a, a bigger conversation that we probably don't have time to talk about, but what about financially, right? That's a big mm -hmm. thing also, because right. you know, you're living in LA and you say like some celebrities are coming to you and, and working with you, mm -hmm. but for like the normal people and in, in, in normal households who <laughs> aren't making that kind of money or live in a place that they have to make enough money to live there. That, that to me, I remember my wife, my wife's a dietitian and she mm -hmm. once did a study uh, while she was in grad school of living off snap and the, the benefits. Mm -hmm. And she like fudged the numbers on her, on her paper because she's like, this is impossible of like just having that kind of income and that, that lifestyle. And, um, for, you know, the people who are struggling that way, it's about, seeing what you can do because mm -hmm. any little bit is better than nothing. Correct. It doesn't mean change exactly. everything. Exactly. And little things. And, and I've said that so many times because I, I, it is really, really, really important to be mindful of that fact when having this kind of conversation, but it doesn't matter if you are super wealthy, you have no, you know, very little money. It's still important, your health, right? It's still important. And we have to do whatever we can mm -hmm. um, to, focus on these things and to at least educate people on what is a healthy choice versus an unhealthy choice. And there are macro things that we can do, like trying to subsidize healthier, healthier food. Like there are things that we can do as a society. I think in the short term, that's where it becomes tough because if it's cheaper to go to fast food place than to get a bag of fruit, that's a problem, mm -hmm. but that's a societal problem that we actually have to fix. And we have to make sure that we have access to healthier food. But at the same time, there is a lot of healthier options 
that you can do that are not necessarily more expensive. For example, if you're buying like a bag of chips, there are healthier versions of bag of chips. It doesn't necessarily have to be more expensive to do that. Um, but at least if you're reading the labels and there are three choices and they're all the same price, well, maybe you can pick the best one. And, and maybe that's still not the healthiest choice you could possibly make in the world, but every little bit helps and every little bit moves in a better direction. And you don't necessarily have to not ever eat chips, right? Yeah. But if you make that same choice with a bag of chips and you make that same choice, okay, maybe we're going to cook one more meal this week. Uh, and it, again, it doesn't have to be more or less expensive. It could be the same price, but yeah. Instead of buying a prepackaged chicken nugget, maybe you make a chicken nugget, but at least you know all the ingredients that are in there. Yeah. And that moves your kids in a better direction. And if everybody does that, then everyone's a little bit healthier. And that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, my, my wife is, uh, like I said, a dietitian, and and I grew up on eating like the uh, oven baked, you know, fish sticks or the, the chicken nuggets. She grew up on that also. And she was so like, um, I don't want my kids to grow up that way. And I said, oh, it's so, so annoying. It's so difficult. You know, she's like, okay. And she makes it and my kids love it. She breads mm -hmm. like salmon and puts it in the, mm -hmm. you know, the oven, you know, you know, something that I, I wanted to make sure I said in this episode is I really appreciate the work that you do. Cause I remember when I went to my daughter's first doctor's appointment, it was the pediatrician who realized I wasn't doing okay as a father. I did the PHQ nine, you know, assessment mm -hmm. and usually the mom does it. So the doctor was like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And mom was like, yeah, I'm actually doing great. She's like, you, you filled it out? Like pointed to me. And then he checked in with me. He kept calling me, making sure I was okay. And I want to know and shift the conversation a little bit from not just as a professional, as a pediatrician, and the work that you see with, with parents and helping them out to get resources that they need, which is the whole idea of the mental health, the conversation. How has your experience been as a dad from you know, the idea of mental health and the idea of, of, of the shift of life and the experience that you've had. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that with the support um, and the things that you talk about on your social media, which is fatherhood? Mm -hmm. How have you seen that shift for yourself or even for the world that you're, you're, you're involved in now? Yeah, I, I think it's very helpful as a pediatrician, for sure, talking to have your own kid, because it's not the same thing, right? It, there, nothing really prepares you to be a dad. And there, people I say, oh, like it must be great that you're a pediatrician, and like I mean, it helps a little bit to know the medical stuff, yeah, sure, but not that much, right? Most of parenting is not knowing the medical stuff; it's about being there and being responsive and and kind of learning that that child and what they need. And so I, I think it's it's really changes your perspective on the world. You know, you certainly have a greater appreciation for a lot of things. You certainly see things from their eyes, and you um, you know, have to set up your day in a way that's a, works for them. And, and so it's like, it's like a give and a take and it, it just changes your perspective in your world. And you also have a much better understanding of the fears that parents have, right? Because when you're just on the medical side, you're only seeing them coming into you. And yes, I think to some degree you have an understanding of like, oh, I'm worried because my kid has this and I'm worried they're going to die or they're going to have this other thing or whatever. Like you, you, you get that from an intellectual level, but you don't really get it from an emotional level until your own kid is sick or until you're going through something. So I, I think that is, is a very, I don't know if I'm saying helpful, but I, I think it is a very useful tool to help you to connect with other parents because you're going through the same things and you understand what they're mm -hmm. going through. And it does help to have a, have a more respect, I think, for parents and more understanding of what people are going through and also to maybe connect a little bit better um, through the words that you use, just because there's a better understanding. I, I think there, there, there's an understanding of how much stress there is to be a parent and how difficult it can be. And going through it 
helps you to see that, I think, to some degree. Does, does it ever make your job harder? Because now that you're a parent, you understand uh, that fear and like dealing with, because I know for me, when I deal with, uh, you know, I, I don't deal with kids anymore. Not not just because, to be honest, I, I don't like dealing with the parents, but I do specialize <laughs> in parenting, mm-hmm. right? And with relationships. And, and, you know, when I deal with a really struggling couple, uh, I go to my wife and I'm like, I appreciate you, right? It helps me like have that perspective. For for you, how is that, you know, having kids at home? How many kids do you have again, by the way? I have one. One three-year-old. One, one three-year-old. Um, and then dealing with kids, does that create more worry for you as a, or are you able to, how do you kind of separate that? I think I'm able to separate it. I think I have a pretty good understanding. It doesn't make me more worried. I think it just makes me appreciate it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, I... So I had kids after training. So training was would be very hard to have a kid, I think, if you're in, in pediatrics, because you're seeing like the oncology ward and you're seeing mm. really, really sick kids when you're in the hospital. So I think that would be really, really tough. When you're out in private practice, you certainly see it, but not so much. I mean, usually mm-hmm. kids are pretty healthy or it's like coughs and colds and ear things and, and whatnot. Uh, I, I think you know too much to some degree, like little things can can make you more worried because you can go down the rabbit hole of knowing all the bad stuff that is possible but i've tried really hard to to not to not do yeah. that and, and i feel really lucky i mean our guy's really amazing and he's he's an awesome kid and it's been i would say pretty easy compared to what i have seen it could be like um so i no i don't think it's made it harder for me i think it's made it easier for me to be a doctor i think i think it's made me a better doctor i love that and and um what has been some of the the bigger struggles that you feel that you've dealt with as a dad uh, I think it's always it with balance, you know, being a professional, trying to balance uh, being there as much as possible, um, not working too much. Uh, like, I think that that's always a big one. And I, I've done a pretty good job. Of I mean, luckily, again, I have my own practice. So I can make my own schedule, which is really nice. And so I, I really value family time. And so I try to get home you know, every day fairly early and try not to work too, too much. But that to me has been always a big struggle because you can always make more money. You can always work harder. You can always do more. There's never ending of what you can read or you know, just like this. It's like you can do a million podcasts. You can have your own podcast. You can yeah. make all these courses. You can make books. You can do whatever. But you only have so much time in the day. And you also mm-hmm. have your child as a young child for only so long. So you have to balance because you still want to get your knowledge out, right? Like, you know, you're saying like, you know, you want to do this and, and get your knowledge out there, but it takes away from family time. So it's, it's just mm-hmm. a balance. So I think that that to me is something that I've I've really tried to work on. And then stress too. I think just trying to manage stress, keep stress to a minimum, try to be very present for him when I'm home, because I think it's very easy to let all the other things that you're doing bleed into your time when you're with your kid or you're just tired from the day and then, you know, he wants to play or whatever. And so just, just trying again to balance that where it's like, okay, I do need to rest too, but then Mm -hmm. he also wants my time. So I I think that's a big part of a toddler (laughs) too. For me, I have a almost four-year-old and a 15 month old son. And for me, something that I try to actively do is especially in the morning, or when they come home, because my son just started school this week, daycare really. Um, when we pick him up and it's like really like doing my best to put my phone down mm-hmm. to lock into them. Now, of course, I'm not perfect. And of course, things come up. I have clients calling me or people emailing me. But the truth is those things can wait. Unless it's an emergency, your kids are going to go to bed at some point in the night. You know, you have the whole day to do what you need to do on your phone. Those moments of connection 
are priceless. It's 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 a mm-hmm. powerful experience. First of all, for them, 10 to 15 minutes of locked in connection impacts them for their life. Mm-hmm. Just 10 to 15 minutes. Um, so why not do it for longer if you can, right? And for, for you, one of the last questions I really want to ask is, what are some of the things that you have seen parents struggle with that come into your office that you can kind of enlighten that maybe we might not realize or see and some of the ways that we can be better as parents for our kids? I think the biggest thing that people don't realize is just the general stress and anxiety and fear that comes along with being a parent. I think everybody has this vision of what parenthood should be based on what they see, whether it's in the books or on Instagram or social media or or whatever it is. And you feel like everything's supposed to be perfect and you see everyone else at their best. Mm -hmm. And everybody has the same fears and concerns and worries about being a good parent and not screwing up their kid and, you know, all these things. And I see that all the time because the vast majority of my job, like 99% of it is just telling people it's normal. It's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And and I don't think people realize that. I, I think that mm-hmm. it's totally fine to message a doctor or be worried if you're worried. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that people realize that it's really usually fine. And mm-hmm. usually a lot of these worries are not going to turn into anything severe or mm-hmm. you know be a big deal. But but you just don't want to miss it. You don't want to, you don't want to screw up. You don't want to be the parent that like missed the thing that turned into pneumonia that got them really sick, which is reasonable. Yeah. I get that totally, but that's true of everybody. And, and I have seen that for sure. A lot more you know, being here because it's like, I see people with a lot of money and a lot of resources and night nurses and this and that, and whatever. It doesn't make any difference. They have the same fears as somebody who has no money, right? You're, you, you, because most of the things that are important to parenting have nothing to do with money. Yeah. And, and that, and that's just really like, sure. Yeah. It could be helpful to have a night nurse, whatever, fine. But mm-hmm. not really, right? That doesn't like it doesn't stop your fear. It doesn't make you connected to your child. That's not part of play. That's not helping them develop per se. It's you being there and you you supporting them and you growing with them. And and to me, that's one of the biggest things that I really try to get across through Instagram and social media and all the stuff that I do is just trying to decrease the fear mm-hmm. because what social media has done more than anything is increased fear and and the googling and all that and it's fine i i always tell people it's fine to google stuff that's fine but you're pretty much always going to find the worst case scenario so it's going to increase your fear and that's just a world that we live in now and it's it is what it is but i think our job as professionals especially for you know if we're doing things online is to try to help combat some of that fear by being like this is normal this is normal this is normal don't be so worried about that because everybody's worried about everything and they're comparing them kids to everybody else where yeah. you might've just compared yourself to like your, you know, your neighbor and your three friends and your sister's kids. Right. But yeah. now you have like every Instagram socialite out there. You're like, Oh, they're one and they're running around and climbing. Well, my kid must be behind because they're not walking yet. And you're like, no, it's still normal. Right. But you just, you just see it. They wouldn't post if their kid wasn't doing it. <laughs> right. So <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just a different world that we're seeing. And so to me, mm. just reminding parents to like, take that time, take a deep breath and it's going to be okay. That, that is what I see behind the scenes that I don't think people see. And they only see the, you know, celebrities and whatnot, like perfectly put together, but trust me, they have all the same problems, <laughs> all the same fears, no different. Wouldn't, wouldn't know the that. difference here. I love that you added that. I think it's so important. I think the comparison game is something that really hurts myself and us as parents. When we see another kid 
um, you know, I have a friend who comes over and is like, yeah, you know, you got your life together. I'm like, you're seeing a snippet of literally a whole day of struggle. You came at the time that everything just happened to align and work out where dinner is made and the kids are behaving, but you didn't see before and after. And, and I also think that that idea of how we need to, the fear base is so intense. Remember my, my wife, like my son had like a little lump. That's it. He has leukemia. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, one second, let's just take a beat. Like, I know I've done that also. I've, you know, catastrophized, but I think it's so easy in the world we live in today to catastrophize because everything mm-hmm. is a catastrophized. Everything is in our face. It's either really great or really terrible. There's no in between. And I mm-hmm. think as parents, the more we're able to create that balance, find that balance, our household will be less chaotic. Our perspective with our kids will be less chaotic. We will feel less chaotic and be less stressed, which means our kids are going to do better off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for, for I really appreciate the work that you do, the the calm and knowledge that you create for so many people. Um, and lastly, what has been like the coolest or weirdest experience that you've had now with this bigger platform and reaching more people? What has been that the most interesting thing that you've come in contact with or dealt with recently? Oh, I, I the most interesting or weird thing that I've come in contact with would be just anger. <laughs> just like the amount of sheer fighting and division on social media it's just so beyond like i it doesn't bother me at all anymore like i just don't care i think it's really dumb and i think people need to like if they're angry about something just go to the next post but it's it's like social media has become this place where people just fight and it's just so beyond reasonable there's no reason to go on there but I'm not following you anymore. Okay, great. Like, I don't care. You know, it's like, I'm just posting stuff to try to help. That's it. You know, and, yeah. and also like people get mad if you give your opinion about something. It's like, you're allowed to have an opinion. It doesn't have to be like a, a double blind con- controlled trial published when you give your opinion on, on a topic. Like you just, it's yeah. just your opinion. And it's not like a, a 10 page paper. So I, I think to me, I've been surprised throughout the last few years of just how angry people have gotten, but I really hope, and I really tried to respond and send like back positivity to people that are being angry. Cause it's just, I don't know why you're spending your day being mad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too much of that. Like if you're on social media and you're getting mad, either you should not follow those, the, the accounts of people that are making you upset, or you should be, you should, you got to learn how to like, just move past it. You don't have to agree with everything that everybody says. Like I, I might say something you can agree with like 99% of it. And then you don't agree with one and you like hate me now. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. Just don't <laughs> agree with the one post. I don't know. <laughs> but I love that. Joel, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate, you know, I know we didn't talk about you as a parent as much as I was hope, but, but I really appreciate as a dad, the posts that you, 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 show the reality and 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 the truth and some like i said a lot of calm and knowledge which i think is something that we are missing out so much on in today's world so thank you so much for the work that you do i really appreciate it thank you so much for having me and thank you for everything you do as well thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of the dude therapist it means a lot to me because without you the listeners this podcast can't happen so every listen, every download, every rate, review, and share means so much to me. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Talking about wellness, mental health, and relationships is one of my passions. And that's what this podcast is all about. So thanks so much for tuning in. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, thoughts, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. 
always feel free to DM me on Instagram at the dude therapist. Don't forget to be kind to yourself and to others. And as always, see you next time on the dude therapist podcast.